Good morning, Bethel. You guys can have a seat. Good to see everybody here today. If you're here for the very first time, we'd love to get connected with you. There's some QR codes in the back of the chair, or you can go to mybethel.cc and go to connect and just fill that out. And we'd, uh, like I said, we'd like to get to get to know you a little bit better. We're in a series of messages called uh, The Problem With, and we're going to talk about approval. Anybody dealing with approval? Well, don't raise your hand because we all struggle with some of that stuff sometimes. But we're going to be talking about that. It's, a, it's not a new thing. It's something that the Bible deals with about having approval. And, uh, and we're going to look at that today, and, and I think that you'll leave encouraged. If you came in with some burdens, just leave them. You know, we'll clean them up afterwards and, uh, and then go out of here a little bit lighter. And, uh, and so we're going to be talking about approval, the problem with approval. So let's get started this morning. Hey, Bethel family, this is Ray. It's so good to say hi to you. Sorry we couldn't be there again. Christine and I are still in the hospital. I want to give you a little update about how she's doing and what's been going on this week. Thank you so much for your prayers. I know last Sunday I asked that you pray that she would get through her surgery uh, Wednesday. Um, thank goodness we got her ready uh, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. Went into the operation very strong with her vitals and her blood work and everything looking great. Uh, she went through the surgery. The doctor came out and talked to me and he said it couldn't got any better. Um, every single thing that we asked you to pray for um, actually happened. Um, every single thing that we were hoping for, it came through and we are so grateful that uh, God saw fit to see the surgery go well. And so um, she's recovering right now. Uh, she's been back in her room and she's taken the last few days to get stronger, to get up and out of bed and move around. But she's doing very well and she says to say hi. We really miss you. We wish we could be there with you today uh, to worship, but we are grateful that uh, God is allowing us to, to see this side of our ministry, which is right here um, at the hospital as we interact with nurses and doctors and, and staff. And uh, it's been amazing. Got a lot of stories to tell one of these days to, to share with you. But uh, we want to tell you, thank you for praying. If you continue to pray, uh, Christy's getting stronger every day. And our prayer is that sometime this coming week, we'll be able to go home. She'll be able to continue to recoup. And then we'll continue with her chemotherapy so that she can treat the non-Hodgkin that's in her body. So, but she's doing well. And uh, like I said, she's getting stronger every day. So if you're praying for her, uh, she sends her love. Uh, thank you so much for your faithfulness and continuing to support uh, Bethel Community Church with your attendance, with your love, with your finances, with your unity. Uh, it's such an important thing for our church family. A couple things I wanted to tell you about before we jump into today's message. Um, first off is our Spanish service that's coming up the month of, month of February, February 27th. We're really excited about this. Something we've been praying about for a long time. Something that we've been working towards. And so it'll be the 11 o'clock service, our second service, um, the 27th of February. Uh, so it's going to be a bilingual service, and so we'll have English. Uh, my friend Chad, Chad Penner is going to be speaking that day, and we'll have a translation there with my dad uh, translating into Spanish. And so if you're interested in seeing what it's all about, come to the 11 o'clock service on the 27th of February. And then also anybody that speaks Spanish, bilingual, welcome. Uh, please have them come. We're, we're looking forward to see what God's going to do with this part of the ministry. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention was our blood drive. Uh, Pastor Ruben talked to me and, and Emily. Uh, they said that we're going to have a blood drive the 13th of February, and actually all the blood that is donated that, donated that day is going to go in Christie's name. Man, we are so grateful for that. Uh, we know that in the blood, uh, we've seen importantly, uh, really importantly the last couple weeks, that life is in the blood, and without blood, uh, you can't live. And so every person that gives on the 13th of February, their, your donation of blood will go in Christie's name, 
and that'll help our family as uh, we work through and navigate the hospital system here. But we are really grateful for, for the opportunity and also grateful for your outpouring of love and generosity towards our family. Um, today we're going to be continuing in our Problem Of series. You know, we started this month, the month of January, uh, talking about the problem of many things. And so this Sunday we're going to continue with the problem of approval. Trying to get people's approval is something that we learn from childhood. And most of us go all our lives trying to seek approval from those that are around us. Well, we're going to look in the book of Galatians today about what Paul says about seeking approval. Pastor Rubin's going to bring the message again today. I love you, Pastor Ruben. Thank you so much for following God's lead and uh, stepping into this role as uh, I'm away taking care of my wife. So we love you. And we're going to continue today with the problem of approval. Let's get started. everyone how's everyone doing good I um, I am recovering from an all-night event so hopefully my mind doesn't go or we don't go places um, that we didn't intend to go this morning so uh, I'm excited about uh, sharing with you I love the book of Galatians uh, I love what Paul has to say actually it was the book of Galatians that really just changed a lot of things for me when it came to religion, when it came to Jesus, when it came to the gospel, and really understanding and applying the gospel to my life. Uh, so I'm excited to share with you this morning uh, out of the book of Galatians chapter 1. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there uh, so you can be there when we jump in. We won't be there for a second because I don't know if it's my, uh, my youth past, the youth pastor in me. I think there's still a little bit, a little bit of residue in that. Uh, still got a little bit left in me. So we're going to start off this morning with a game, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain what's going to happen, uh, and hopefully you guys will participate. Because if you don't participate, it kind of affects how the rest of the, rest of the service will go, okay? So I'm asking you to participate. We're going to do uh, a game called Scavenger Hunt, okay? So I'm going to, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to ask you, to provide an item, and then the first one to bring that item to me will receive candy as bribery. See, students, students respond to a couple things. We want them to respond to the Bible and, and, you know, the gospel and all those kinds of things, but the reality is most of the time they respond to candy, they respond to pizza, 
um, food, stuff like that. So I thought that I would bribe you to guarantee that I would get the items that I need in order to talk about those items later in the message, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, play this game, Scavenger Hunt. So get ready. Get ready to search through your purses and your wallets and just your personal items. And I'm going to ask you for that. And the first person to bring it to me, okay, the item that I asked for, We'll get a king, uh, not just any candy bar, okay? A king-size candy bar, all right? So the first item is, and you guys might be a little hesitant about this, but I'm hoping you'll participate. I promise I'll get it back to you, is a credit card. I need a credit card. Come on, come on, come on. I, in my hand, credit card, I, it was in my hand. This, was, this one was in my hand first. Now, now, no. This is, the, this, is, this is a debit card. This is a debit card. Keep that handy, Amanda. Keep that handy. I'm not, not going to give you any hints. Okay, so this is a, this is a, this is a credit card. Okay, this is, this, is, this is legit. Okay, credit card. I got a credit card. Okay. I'll get it back to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You'll get it back. Okay, the next item that I need is a gift card. A gift card. Hurry, bring it to me. If you got a gift card, bring it. <laughs> you, already, you already got one. Next. Oh, gift card. Oh, man. Sorry. Keep your wallets out. Keep your wallets out, everyone, okay? The gift card. Okay, the next item that I need is a debit card. A debit card this time. A debit card this time. <laughs> okay. This is, in fact, a debit card. That's why I told you to keep it out of it. I was trying to help you. <laughs> Okay, I need, a, I need a debit card. Okay, so I have these three items. I have a credit card, I have a debit card, and I have a gift card. Okay, so a, a credit card, as you, as you all may know, is something that you can use. And really, uh, the challenge with a credit card is that it gives you a false sense of what you actually have, right? So when you use a credit card to purchase something, you take it into your possession, but you don't really own that, right? Because if you don't pay off that credit card balance, right, there's going to be someone from a credit card company that gives you a phone call, sends you a letter, knocks on your door, kicks in your door, and says, give me my money, right? So there's, there, it gives you this false sense of the reality of what is actually yours and, and, and belongs to you, okay? A debit card is interesting because its accounts and transactions are limited by what the, the balance actually, what you actually have in your bank account. Now, depending on how you have your bank account set up, sometimes you have a, uh, what they call an overdraft protection, right? How many of you guys have ever used overdraft protection? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to admit that I've used that m one too many times. My wife will be like, hey, just so you know, they charged us a fee again of $12. I don't know what that's from. And I'm like, oh, that's because what we had in our account couldn't cover what we bought. Okay, good, good, good. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so you not only have to pay that fee, but then you also have to pay back the amount that you spent over what was in your account, okay? Now, gift cards. Gift cards are really a beautiful thing. But the challenge with a gift card is that it only has a certain balance, right? Like if you try to spend over the amount of the balance, there's no overdraft protections. They're not like, yeah, you know what? We're having a good day. We'll go ahead and give it to you. No, if there's not a balance left on your gift card, you just can't use it, right? But 
The beautiful thing about gift cards is that when you spend it, you can spend it freely and you can use it without thinking or wondering, man, am I going to have to pay this back? Am I going to forget to pay off this bill? And am I going to forget to, it's preloaded with a balance that is, you are free to use and you don't have to worry about paying it back. So that's the beautiful thing about a gift card. And so um, as we walk through the day, the reality is that all of us, our society and our, the economy, the way the economy works in the world that we're living in, to, is, in today is really a credit card economy, right? The mentality goes, buy now, pay later, right? You're like, I want that or I need that, right? Sometimes you run into situations where you actually need something to function in your daily life, whether that's a vehicle, whether that is a house to live in, right? Whether uh, something, uh, an air conditioner or a hot water heater breaks, and you're like, well, I can't like really function without that in the way that I'm used to functioning. So you either adjust your life or you say, well, I'm going to put it on the credit card and then I'll have to worry about paying that off later, right? For example, many of us carry mortgages. Many of us carry car payments, right? Because the, the, the cars that we drive, the houses that we live in really are not in our possession. Some of you guys are in a position in your life where your house is paid off. What a wonderful thing. Where your cars are paid, cars are paid off. What a wonderful thing. But we live in this economy, and there's, we, we deal a lot of times with this mentality that, like, buy now, pay later. And it gives us kind of this false sense of reality of what actually is ours or what we have been given. Um, and so, like I said, many of us have uh, tools, like uh, tools or toys, right? If you're into, like, dirt bike riding or four-wheeling or, you know, going to the sand dunes or something. I don't know, like whatever it may be. Many of us have these toys or motorcycles. You buy these things and they're not really yours, even though you benefit from them. But the reality is we work hard every single day to try to ensure that we get to continue to enjoy those things. Because if we stop and think about, about it for a second, if you don't pay your bills, something's going to get taken away, right? Like you, if you don't, if you're not on time with your bills, you're going to get phone calls. If you don't make your payment on time, you're going to get phone calls. You're going to get late fees and all this kind of stuff. And you go long enough, right? You go three, six, nine, 10, 12 months, and you're going to find yourself, if you didn't pay anything, right, you're going to realize, oh, I really don't own and have true possession of a lot of stuff, like a lot of the stuff that I have is, is kind of borrowed, if that makes sense. So the truth is we all enjoy things every day that are not really our own. Even if you're borrowing something from a friend, you're like, man, I really love this thing. It made my life super easy, whether it's a tool or whatever. You realize at some point, that's a bummer, but I'm going to have to give that back to my friend that I borrowed it from, unless you're a bad friend, and then you just keep it and move, and then they never know. You don't give them your new address, and then they lost it. And it's kind of yours at that point, but not really. Um, but I, I say that from personal experience. I was the one that borrowed it, not another one that, no. I'm just kidding. I didn't steal anyone's stuff. Okay, we're moving on, Okay. We're moving on. <laughs> Knowing this, it really makes sense that we live with this constant reminder that we must pay back what is not really ours. The phrase goes, you've probably heard it before, nothing in this world is free. 
Um, and so humanly speaking, we, we, we understand this really, really well. Um, and if you don't, if you think that this doesn't apply to you, here's kind of a quick test for you to understand that like we, we live with this low grade idea that nothing in this world is truly free. Like we're like, we're always leaning in and thinking, hmm, what's the catch, right? So here's a quick example. When somebody gives you a gift, what's your first human reaction? Well, hopefully you have manners enough to say thank you, right? But in your heart, right, at the deepest levels of your heart, when you're quiet, alone, in your, in your room at night, with your head on your pillow, you're thinking, I'm kind of indebted to that person now. Like, I, I need to, like, what can I do to show this person that I truly am thank you, thankful? Was my thank you truly enough, or is there something that I need to do to, like, kind of show them and be, show them that I'm worthy of receiving the gift that they gave me, right? There's, there's kind of this low-grade idea of like, man, I, I kind of need to pay that person back. So take it one step further, and you realize that the greater the gift, the greater the indebtedness that we feel to that person. So if somebody gave me a candy bar, like I just gave you, um, well, I, I have your possession, so you don't have to like say thank you just yet. But I gave you a candy bar, and that's like just... That deser- that's deserving, we feel like, oh, thank you so much. We can show gratitude with our face and our energy and like, oh man, I'm so grateful for that. And we can probably walk home and get through the day without having this, a, a ton of anxiety about like, man, I, I didn't need to pay that person back for that candy bar because it was not very expensive. Right now, somebody gives you a car or this would be awesome. Somebody pays off your mortgage. You're like, whoa, time out, hold the phone. Like, I'm not going to be able to sleep for like three years because I'm going to try to reel through my mind of like how I can pay this person back because that was an incredible gift, right? So the greater the gift, the greater the indebtedness. Now, here's the deal. On the flip side of that, right, when you are the one that is extending or giving the gift, right, we all know and we have this like internal thing that says, I actually find great joy in giving gifts. If you're a gift giver, you know that when you give the gift to somebody, you are excited to give it to them with no strings attached. As a matter of fact, if that person tried to pay you back, the more they try to pay you back and the more they try to like repay you for the gift that you gave them, it actually kind of cheapens the gift, doesn't it? You're like, oh, well, now I feel like you just bought the gift from me. Like, that was weird. So why don't you just take the gift and say thank you and then move on with your life because I'm, I would like to move on with mine and actually receive the joy of giving you a gift, right? Like, so there's two sides uh, to this gift-giving coin. Um, and maybe it's just me, but uh, because of this, nothing is free mentality. I think it's often hard for us to wrap our minds around the gospel and what's actually been done for us, okay? So the fact that Jesus died in my place, he paid for what I could not pay for on my own, and rose again to prove his power over sin, hell, death, and the grave, at times, for me, is confusing. It leaves me wondering, right, that Jesus actually had the power to save me and that he offers it to me with no strings attached, free of charge. Like that as a, as a culture, as a society that lives in this like nothing is free mentality, we're often left scratching our heads wondering like, okay, 
time out. Like, there's got to be more than this. There has to be something more. There, there, there must be something that I do to repay what Jesus has done for me. Like, it truly can't be free. And so, people in the, in the Galatian church, so Paul is addressing, in Galatians, he's addressing a church, believers, people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus for their salvation. They've accepted the gospel. They received it with gladness. And now they are, they, there was people, there was a group of people that came along that, that were of Jewish, of the Jewish culture. They followed the law their whole life. And they came along and they said, yeah, Jesus saved you, but you must also do dot, dot, dot. You must also do this in order to really receive the gift. And so what they were doing, essentially, they were adding to the gospel. And so let's drop in on Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. We're going to read uh, just a few verses this morning, and we're going to see, like, Paul's, like, he uses some pretty strong language because he's incredibly frustrated about what's happening in the church of Galatia. And so we're going to read that. If you have your Bibles, uh, hopefully you're already there. If you don't, there are, the, the verses will be up on the screen because I want you to see uh, what we're, like, in God's word, what Paul is actually saying here. If you have your smartphone or tablet, you can go to uh, the Bible event and you can see the verses there and then see some notes uh, to follow along. But it says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6, he says, I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God. He said, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. It says, you are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. He said, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, even or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we have preached to you. He says, I say again that we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. That's a big deal. Like Paul's like, do, may, they, may they like rot. That's kind of the, the context and what he's saying. Like may they like go and rot because they're twisting the truth that you have already received. And so Paul is like, I mean, he's pretty frustrated because he brought the good news of Jesus to this church. They accepted with gladness and joy the good news. And now there's people that are now putting a burden on them that God never intended for them to carry. And Paul's like, time out, what's happening? Let's back up for a second and remember where we came from. Remember why we're here. And anyone else who doesn't and anyone else who comes along and shares a different message than the one that we shared with you, the gospel that Paul says later on that came directly from Jesus himself in the vision that he had on the road to Damascus, right? He said, I got, I received this message from Christ and I shared it with you and now you're turning away from it. What in the world is happening? He's ticked. And so he says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people because what they were doing, they were twisting the gospel saying, hey, yeah, Jesus is awesome, yet you got to do this, this, and this. And these people were like, okay, okay, you must, uh, like, you, you, you know what you're talking about, right? So we, we got to do this. And so they're walking this journey, this path uh, that's adding to the gospel and, and in, in an attempt, as we all do, to try to seek approval, to try to be like, oh, is that what I got to do to like, be approved? Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, like tell me what to do and I'll do it. And that's what was happening in the church of Galatia. And Paul's like, no, give that up. Lay that down. 
And so he says, and, and he was, it was met with opposition from people who were high up in the religious community, from people who were saying, listen, we understand a thing or two, or, thing or two about the gospel, and we understand what's going on. We, we know the scripture well, and they got their, you know, their, uh, their garb on, and they're ready to rock and roll, and they're like, we, we know what we're talking about. And Paul says, listen, I'm not trying to gain your approval. This isn't about you. This is about people understanding the gospel and what Jesus did for them. So he says, I'm not seeking the approval of, God, of man. I'm seeking the approval of God. And he says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Because there's a whole lot of things that we can add to the gospel and put weights on ourselves and carry backpacks around and carry burdens around that we feel like we got to pay God back for the gift that he gave. And Paul says, lay that down. He goes, live in the freedom of the gospel. And he says, if I were seeking the approval of man, he goes, there, I sure wouldn't be a, be a servant of Christ because I would be a servant of man trying to gain their approval. So when we make purchases, when we, when we make transactions, they are only approved when adequate funds are available. We understand this from a mind, like in the human mind, this makes sense to us. You have what you have. If you give me what you have, then I'll give you what you're trying to earn. Like, it, it, it's just a business transaction. It makes sense. You put your debit card in the machine. If there's not enough funds, sorry, you can't have it. You put your gift card in the machine. Sorry, there's not enough funds. You put your credit card in the machine. It'll work until you reach your balance, and then they say, sorry, there's not enough balance. You don't have enough left on your credit card balance to make this purchase. So we work our entire lives, right, to make sure that when we go to make the transaction, there's enough funds in the bank for us to do this, right? We understand this from a human perspective. Now, let's shift it to a spiritual perspective, and the problem is that when, spiritually speaking, who is to say that what your actions and your obedience are worth, Right? Is coming to church worth more than reading or praying, your, praying and, or reading your Bible? Uh, is doing a good deed for your neighbor worth more than doing a good deed for a stranger? I don't know. You tell me, right? Like, is sitting and talking through a struggle with a family member worth more than with a friend? What about the sin that we find ourselves in? If we're, if we're using this bank, bank account, spiritual bank account transaction mentality that we live in, then what happens when I disobey? What happens when I do something that's against God? What, if, what happens when I live in, live in sin and how long I live in that sin? Is there something that like, it, like what, it, what is my sin withdrawing? And is one sin withdrawing more than other sins, right? Does lying withdraw more than stealing? Does physical hurting or does physically hurting somebody withdraw more than emotionally hurting somebody? I don't know. At the end of the day, we operate with this mindset and we ask ourselves, will we have enough left over when it's all said and done to make it to heaven, to make it to eternity and to spend, to be in right standing with God? Do we, did we do enough good? Did we stay away from enough evil to be counted worthy of God's approval? And let me take a time out here for a second, because as you think through this, as, as I'm talking right now, there's some of you that are probably exhausted just hearing me say it, right? Yet this is the life that we're often tempted to live. And what an exhausting life that is. I spent many, many years of my life on the rat race and the treadmill of spiritual approval, trying to gain God's approval for something that he had already given me. And I'm telling you, it wore me out. In the bumper video, you saw Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. 
And so the problem of believing that we must earn approval is that we functionally operate as if there's something that we have to do or even that we can do to make us worthy of God's approval and we miss the truth that our salvation was freely given to us through faith in Jesus and what he has already done. When we add to the gospel, we miss the gospel completely. And that's what these people were doing. Many of us have accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation, and then we set ourselves on this journey to prove that we were worthy of receiving the gift. And we find ourselves tired and worn out and, quite honestly, ready to give up on God, the church, and the people around us. Paul was deeply saddened by the people who had given into this thinking, and he urges them to turn away from anything that adds to the gospel and to cling to the true gospel that they had received from Christ himself and passed on to them. The church of Galatia, here's the deal. They were, they were a mix of Jews and Gentiles. This was like a pagan culture. And so there was people who didn't grow up Jewish. They didn't grow up following the Jewish law or the Mosaic law or any of that stuff. That, that these people, the Jewish people, spent their entire lives. I mean, they went to school to understand and to know what the law was so that they could follow it by the book. Right? So you can imagine the mind-blowing, mind-bending Thing that the gospel was when Paul presented it to them and said, Jesus has fulfilled all the law. You no longer have to fulfill it because there's no way that you could fulfill it all and find yourself in right standing with God. So this leaves you with one option, and that's Jesus, because he came and he lived the perfect life that you could never live, and he died in your place to find for, so that you could find forgiveness and freedom and no longer live in debt. So that's what Paul was trying to get these guys to understand. And the Jewish people were coming and saying, it's like, time out. I spent my whole life following the religious laws of the day. I spent my whole life doing all the right things or what I was told was right. And now you're saying that these people get to adopt the gospel because of Jesus paid their sin for them? He goes, I'm wore out. I worked my whole life for this. And now you're saying that it doesn't matter? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And what a beautiful thing that is, that we no longer have to live in light of the law, but we get to live in light of the gospel and what Jesus has already done for us. What an amazing gift. And that's what, that was, what he was dealing with. And so Paul was saying, get rid of the law from your life in this mindset that you have to follow the law in order to gain God's approval. Now, will we follow the law because of what Jesus has done for us? I believe the answer is yes. When I understand, like I said, the greater the gift, the greater sense of indebtedness that we, that we, that we experience or feel, and that's a human thing, right? So when we understand that Jesus freely gave his so that we could experience life debt-free, oh man, I want to serve Jesus. Oh man, I want to give everything that I have to Jesus. Oh man, I want to walk in obedience out of an overflow of gratitude for what has been done for me that I could never do on my own. So these Jewish people were wore out and they were tired. And Paul says, you no longer have to be tired and wore out because Jesus did what you could never do. And to the Galatians, to the people who were, who were pagan and living in sin, he said, you no longer have to walk in sin because Jesus paid it for you. And so we both get to meet in the middle and we get to come under the banner of Jesus and say, the gospel is what, and Jesus, the blood of Jesus is what puts us in right standing with God, bottom line, period, end of sentence, it's over. 
And so faith in Christ alone is what makes us righteous or puts us in right standing with God. And in the same way that we live in this nothing is free society, we are uh, society and are so used to paying for what is ours. And I think we want to pay for what is ours because it gives us the sense of ownership. It feels good to pay something off, doesn't it? Right? It feels good to say, no, this is mine and nobody can come knocking on my door. Nobody can call my phone. Nobody can kick in my front door and try to take it from me because it's mine. We want to grab onto it and we want, I think we, because of this mentality that we have that I got to pay back the gifts that I've been given, that they're not really mine until I pay for them, we fail to understand the gospel and we try to add to the gospel so that we can cling onto it and say, look what I did. Look what I did. And that's what Paul was fighting against. We too, every single day, must be reminded of the gospel The gospel is not something that we graduate from and move on to better things. The gospel is a roadmap that leads us through all of life. This idea that Jesus came and paid the debt that I could not pay on my own, and he did something for me that no matter what I did, no matter how much I worked, no matter how good I was, or no matter how much evil I stayed away from or how many good deeds I did, I could never earn the gift that Jesus had given me. That's something that should drive every single decision that we make, and we can live in freedom. We can live in joy. We can live and experience the joy that God has intended for us to live in instead of being burdened by the weight and the sin, knowing that it's not what we do that puts us in right standing with God, but it's actually the gospel. It's actually Jesus who put us in right standing with God, and there's nothing else that could do the same. It should drive every decision that we make. I have with me here an invoice and a receipt. And maybe you don't know the difference between the two. Uh, An invoice is something that you receive that says there's a debt that's still owed, right? Every, every month, if you use a credit card, you get a credit card statement that's basically an invoice and says, hey, here's how much you spent that's actually not yours. Here's what you still owe. Go ahead and pay it, and if you don't, we're gonna hound you till we get it, right? A receipt, and and. The receipts vary in length, right? Sometimes we spend more than other times. If you're, if you're a mom of kids, right, and you walk out of Target, I don't think there's enough room on the stage for, for, for the receipt. But the reality is, at the end of the, the receipt, I love this. It says, total, 66.92, Chase Vita, U.S. dollars paid, 66.92. What do we owe? Nothing. Because a receipt says it's already been paid. An invoice says, here's what you owe. And so this is what I want you to understand this morning. And if you've missed everything else, don't miss this. Jesus' death and resurrection didn't leave us stuck with an invoice to pay it left us with a receipt that said, transaction approved, paid in full. Nothing left to pay. And here's the deal. It wasn't paid with a credit card that you now have a balance to pay off at the end of the month. It wasn't paid with a debit card that says, hey, there's limited funds, and when you make a transaction, it's gonna remove stuff from your spiritual bank account. 
It was paid with a gift card of the blood of Jesus that said paid in full and you owe nothing for it. The gospel that we need to be reminded of every single day is that we live in freedom because Jesus paid our debt so that we could live in freedom and not only live in freedom, but we live debt free. And so I pray, I've been praying this week, I pray that you walk away from this place lighter than when you came in. I pray that if you found yourself on a spiritual treadmill trying and working and doing spiritual activity and good things and good work, and I'm not saying stop doing all those things, but I am saying stop doing those things in an attempt to earn what's already been given. I'm saying do it from a place of joy. Do it from a place of knowing that you've already been accepted. You've already been approved by faith in the one who paid the debt for you. And so I want you to walk away from this place lighter than when you came in. If you find yourself burdened and tired, I want you to leave it here. <laughs> Randy, that was perfect. He said, if you came in with burdens, leave them here. We'll clean them up later. It's okay to leave them here. Jesus said, it's okay to leave it there. He said, I've already paid it. Because he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He actually has the power because he's the only one in human history that has died after living a perfect life and under his own power raised from the dead so that he could be living on the throne of your heart. And that gift, it's already been paid. That gift, all that requires for us to receive it is faith in what he did. It doesn't re require you to do anything else. And so stop living with the burden and the tyranny and in the prison of trying to pay God back for what he's already done. Live in the joy and the freedom of what he's already done and let him be the Lord and the king of your heart. Let me pray for you. Dear God, Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the truth of the gospel that what you did for us was paid in full and we no longer have to work to pay it back, but that we get to experience true joy and true freedom. Lord, if the enemy is trying to convince us that there's something that we have to do to be worthy of your gift, God, I pray that you would remove him far from us. That he would not have a foothold in our mind and in our heart that convinces us that we're unworthy of that gift because you are the one who made us worthy. God, I pray that if there's someone here today that has never put their faith and their trust in Jesus, that today they would say yes to you in faith, trusting that what you did for them was good enough and that they no longer 
have to walk this life burdened by trying to do enough so that they have enough in their account to at the end of the day, at the end of their life, hope they have enough in their spiritual bank account to make it because you've already made it for them. I pray that we would walk away from this place light with peace and joy and rest knowing that you have paid everything on our behalf because you love us and because you want relationship with us and you offer relationship with us. God, I pray that we would live in light of that and that that as we go from this place today, that we would live and walk in obedience and allow you to sit on our heart, sit on the throne of our heart, and that the gospel would drive every decision that we make knowing that you are our king, you are our Lord, and you love us, and you've paid for our freedom because we couldn't do it on our own. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I, you can't help but hear something like that and think, maybe there's somebody like me. You know, somebody that has grown up in maybe, for whatever, maybe your situation even wasn't that you grew up in church, but maybe just it feels like you need to gain this approval and you need to earn this and you, you need to pay off debt. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a, a special grace for that. You know, I think that God gives us grace in that because... Mm-hmm. It's so easy to get in that cycle, and it's so easy to feel like, oh, I need to gain, I need to get approved here. And, and I think of my own life, and I think, I know, I know that Jesus paid it in full. And I know we've had conversations about, is your reaction to Jesus giving everything? Okay, how can I pay this back? Or is it, thank you? Is it, I did this, 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 and this, or is it, thank you? And I know in my own life that even when you know that and, and you've gone through your journey with your salvation and with the Lord, that I know for me it's easy for me to crawl back into the hole that he brought me out of and brought me to life from death, and I want to get back in that six-foot hole and be like, now let me figure out how I can build myself out of here. Yeah. And he's like, get out of there. <laughs> what are you doing? I already paid this. Yeah. We've been over this, Jordan. But I just want I just want to pay for something. I want I want to earn and gain that approval because it just seems like I should because that's how we operate in our world, like you yeah. talked about. So I, I was encouraged by that because it's just that reminder of he's done it all. And our response doesn't have to be I did this, this, and this. It can be thank you. Done. Yeah. Paid in full. And I'm 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 thankful for the grace he gives me when even though I know that, mm-hmm. I still want to go. But I this and this and this, Lord, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. It's I a very human. That. It's a very human thing to want to gain approval and to f- feel like you're worthy of it. And that's just so. That's why the gospel is so transformative and even counterintuitive. I think to like just the world that we find ourselves living in. And as as society progresses, as you know, technology and you know, the things that were afforded in this life advance, like, I feel like that weight is even heavier. And so, uh, man, I think, and that's why I said the gospel is not something that you graduate from and move on to better things. Like, the gospel is it. And so some people would come into this place, and we have, you know, this mission to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. And it's like, man, I, 
like, is Jesus really, like, all it is? Like, you, you feel, like, this sense of, like, there's got to be more. And so if you feel that way, like, just remind yourself of the gospel and to remind yourself, like, Jesus is it. Like, that's, it is it. And so, like, there's nothing else that could ever capture our attention or to fill our hearts more than him. And so let's keep him as the main thing. And so, uh, and that's hard to do. So we need to be reminded. And only in those moments when you rest in him is when you truly feel that his burden is light. Yeah. And it's in those moments you can breathe and say, okay. Yeah, it truly is good. Sometimes it ends in a, in a, ugly cry? I don't know. You guys ever ugly cry? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like yeah. joy, it's a joyful, like knowing yeah. that it's been paid, and you're like, yeah. oh, thank you. Like, that. remind yeah. me that, yeah. Um, In the midst of everything going on, I just hope that you go out this week and remember that we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Have a great week, you guys. Week. Have a great week.